Hello, friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigSceneDispatch.com. Before we take you to your favorite Sports History Network show, just want to tell you a little bit about some merch that you can pick up that represents your favorite SHN podcast. So far, there's t-shirts, coffee mugs, and even books from some of the authors that do podcasts right here on SHN. Who could buy something better than that than have the history right from the, the gentleman that you hear talking about it? But we also are adding things each and every day. And where's that store, may you ask? Well, it's at SportsHistoryNetwork.com. Up at the top, there is the SHN. HN merch button. Click on that. It'll take you right to the store and you can be representing your favorite podcast and show the world that, hey, on the swag that I'm using, it's the headquarters of sports yesteryear, Sports History Network, and my favorite podcaster, the Sports History Network store. Shop there today. I think all of us are familiar with the YMCA and all that it's done for young people everywhere to keep fit. But in this episode, we talk to football archaeology founder Timothy P. Brown in a recent tidbit that he wrote that examines the impact that the YMCA had on a game of football. It's all coming up with Tim in just a moment. This is the Pigskin Daily History Dispatch, a podcast that covers the anniversaries of American football events throughout history on a day-to-day basis. Your host, Darren Hayes, is podcasting from America's North Shore to bring you the memories of the gridiron one day at a time. So as we come out of the tunnel of the Sports History Network, let's take the field and go no huddle through the portal of positive gridiron history with pigskindispatch.com. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, my football friends. This is Darren Hayes of pigskindispatch.com. Welcome once again to the Pig Pen, your portal to positive football history. And welcome to Tuesday, footballarchaeology.com day. Timothy P. Brown, the host of that website, is here to visit once again, as he does every Tuesday. Tim, welcome back to the Pig Pen. Hey, thank you, Darren. Looking forward to uh, talking about a song. Well, it's not. It's about a subject that's related to a song that we can't talk about, that we can't sing or play because of copyright restrictions. But audience, we can share with you that Tim is dressed like an Indian chief and I am dressed like a construction <laughs> worker as we were about to talk about the subject. No, we're just kidding. But of course, we are talking about the great organization of the YMCA. I think all of us have probably heard of that before or attended or took some swimming classes like myself did. I have one not too far from me. And we have some great tie-in to football history with YMCA history that Tim had in a recent tidbit. So Tim, why don't you take it away and share this great story with us? Yeah. So, you know, this is one of these where, you know, kind of one of the things that fascinates me um, about football is the different types of organizations that supported and helped football grow, especially in the early years. And so we tend to think of football as this thing that's run through schools. And then then obviously it became professionalized. And so the NFL and AFL and AAFC and you know various semi-pro teams, whatever. There, you know, uh, but but there were, you know, back in the day, there were organizations like the American Legion after World War One. There was uh, all kinds of industrial leagues, some of which are were the basis of the NFL, right? So there were there were different kinds of organizations that influenced football's growth, and one that is um, vastly underestimated, I think, by by many, is the YMCA. And so, and, and it it really came about in a couple of different ways. One is that you know back in um, you know one of the 
kind of arguments for playing football and justifications for football was this thing called the muscular Christianity movement that came out of you know, England. And so it's just kind of this, this belief in the mind and the body and the spirit and that, you know, football was a way to meld, you know, that all three of them came together in football and provided good training for young men who needed to be hardy, you know, da, da, da. And so um, that, that philosophy matched very well with the YMCA and, and which also had, I believe come out of England, but in any event, um, the YMCA had a school that is now Springfield College in Massachusetts. That was it was a school to train people to go out into the world and be YMC directors. So I mean, it was kind of like a seminary or ho however you want to think about it. But you know, this is in the day when there weren't physical education majors anywhere. You know, and if you wanted to become somebody who would go out and teach. Um, you know, physical fitness, and, you know, you also, you know, bought into some of the, you know, the religious side of it, then the YMCA training school was the place to be. And so, you know, right after he graduated from, from uh, Yale in 1890, um, Amos Alonzo Stagg shows up at, you know, he becomes the football coach and, uh, well, basketball wasn't invented yet, but he was a football coach and baseball coach at uh, the YMCA training school. Uh, now, in those days, he also played for them. So he was, you know, a player coach. Um, and, you know, they played typically a bit of a, you know, and, you know, they kept playing, for, you know, for years. They're still playing today as Springfield. But, you know, they would, like a lot of schools in the Northeast, they'd step up and play, you know, Harvard and Yale here and there. Mostly they played, you know, a smaller college schedule. But they played, they were very competitive, had a lot of good players. Um, and, one of the guys on Stagg's teams, the two years that he coached there before he went to U Chicago, one of the guys was uh, John Naismith, who ends up inventing basketball while at Springfield. And another guy who was a little bit later was um, William Morgan, who invented volleyball. So, you know, these were the school was pretty influential in in the in certainly the creation of those two sports, and um, and then you know playing football and so but you know where their where their impact really came was in world war one and the ymca uh, and its role is kind of underappreciated you know in world war one as well but they basically every camp every training camp uh of any american training camp around the world and then even those like rest camps and stuff, you know, once in, once they're in Belgium and, and France and in England um, had a YMCA hut. And so these were typically fairly simple structures, but, you know, they, they had stationary for the guys to write home. They had, um, you know, a library uh, just that they, they taught classes, especially, you know, there were a lot of, you know, uh, they weren't GIs yet, but they were, you know, the Doughboys, a lot of them, couldn't speak English. So they, they teach English classes, but another big emphasis was they supplied, you know, what would be the equivalent now of like $80 million worth of athletic equipment to, uh, to soldiers. Now that was basketballs and, you know, tennis rackets and et cetera, but football was a big one. And so, you know, 
the if there was athletic events going on at the at a you know military camp in World War One, it was likely uh, very much you know uh, YMCA involvement in it, and so. You know, and these are especially like the interregimental games rather than like the, the all-star teams for a camp. So, you know, that was an opportunity. You know, this is a time when I think it was, it was less than 5% of, of Americans went to college. And so they, you know, they might have played for some rinky-dink little high school team in the little farm town that they grew up in. This became an opportunity for them to really experience, you know, well coached you know and more sophisticated football and so it really was you know it really kind of democratized football you know the world war one camps because i mean the vast majority of guys of that age range you know served in some form or capacity or their brother did or you know so it you know really spurred interest in football and you know there's many you know folks that have made the case that that uh you know, the military football in World War One really was a key to spurring the the development of the NFL, you know, because it just demonstrated mm-hmm. that people would come and attend games played by these former collegians, these college all-stars, that, you know, nobody had said that they would do that before. You know, the NFL prior to, you know, the, you know, the pro leagues before that were mostly like kind of steel town folks and guys who, you know, some of them went to college and some of them didn't, but it was, you know, more of like a semi-pro feel than what it, what came in the 20s, you know, and, and then obviously really took off in the 50s and 60s. Yeah. So anyways, it's just, you know, the YMCA is one of those organizations you don't think of as being really influential in, in the development of football, but it was. And there was, you know, even a guy who led, you know, physical instruction for the Navy any, anyways was this guy named Walter Camp, you know, so I mean... They were connected, right? Yeah, so. most definitely. Now, the, there's a, another interesting story comes out of that with Naismith and a connection to football innovation. And I, I wrote an article about uh, three years ago on it about who was the first to wear a helmet was the question. And Naismith's name is thrown in there because he <sighs> he – I wouldn't say that he wore a helmet. He had a, it was described as his, uh, he was getting cauliflower ear from getting knocked around playing the line, you know, an 1891 game against Amherst is what I sort of narrowed down to going through some of the descriptions of it. I think that's a game on October 17th, 1891. His girlfriend at the time helped sew some flannel together and tie it around his ears so he wouldn't get boxed and, you know, be irritated with his ears and was one of the first head coverings uh, in football that were publicized. Uh, They were not like a a rag tied around your head or something, you know, but uh, something for protection on your head. So, you know, it's just odd that the, here the uh, inventor of basketball who gets credited played at this small college and has had so many great uh, sports sprout out of it. And so many great sports stories and connections of football. I think that's just amazing. uh, Yeah. Yeah, he, well, he, uh, I've used that, an image of, of Naismith with that headgear, you know, I think in one of my books, but, you know, definitely in some of the writing. Um, And I know I got that, I got, you know, Naismith, Naismith was Canadian. So I got that image from their equivalent of the National Archives, whatever, I can't think of the name of it right now. 
but yeah, it's a great image. He's playing center. He's snapping the ball with his hands Mm -hmm. and, uh, but he's got that, the thing wrapped around his head. Yeah. Yeah, I, you never know, you never know where, where a story is going to come from. And, and, and the, you know, what I really enjoy is, you know, the links of one thing to another. Yeah. So that's fun. and I think it's it's really interesting too. If you you maybe think about it in this context, you know, here you have Amos Alonzo Stag, uh, I assume graduating from Yale. I think he graduated from yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. So he graduates from Yale and then goes uh, to get his master's in a phys ed degree at <laughs> YMCA school. Just today, if we look at him like, hey, what 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 the hell is that? You know, he went to Yale, you know, and and going to get a phys yeah. ed degree, you know. But well, you know, he was. I I think he was a divinity student at Yale. I, I'm not positive about. Yeah, that, I, I think you're right. But he, there, there. But, he, but he was definitely. I mean, his whole upbringing he was very religious man, and and so um, yeah, so it, it made sense, right? And and some of his, um, you know, the guy who became president at at U uh, Chicago knew him at Yale because he'd been you know faculty there. And just, you know, so he knew the, the character of, of Stag. And, you know, he's an excellent athlete, best, you know, one of the top baseball pitchers of his time. And so, um, yeah, so that's you know, part of the reason why he said, hey, I want you to come on out here. I'm, I'm, <laughs> just, putting City. In, I'm just putting in today's context. If, if my kid graduates from yeah. Ivy League oh, yeah. after paying that and says, hey, I'm going to go to community college to get a phys ed de- degree yeah, yeah, too, because yeah, yeah, that's yeah, what I'm going to do. Yeah. You're like, what What do you mean you're going to do that? You know, let me choke yeah. you first. But the, it's just, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, great stuff. Uh, that That is a very interesting story. And it has so many uh, webs and tentacles coming off. And it's just, it's just awesome. And uh, I'm sure, you know, that connects to a bunch of your other tidbits. And you you have these tidbits that come out each and every day, uh, about 7 p.m. They're very enjoyable. And, uh, you know, talk about some great parts of football history that aren't mainstream, but are very interesting indeed. Maybe if you could share how folks could get their hands on those each and every day too, uh, that would be some enjoyment for them. Yeah, so... Um... You know, my, my site is footballarchaeology.com. You just go out there, subscribe, and you'll if, once you're subscribed, you'll get an email every day uh, with that day's story. And then, uh, you know, kind of read them at your leisure. Uh, alternatively, I'm under the same name, Football Archaeology. I'm, I'm on uh, Twitter threads and on the, the uh, Substack application. So, however it works for you if you want to read it that's how you get to me well very good tim we appreciate uh you preserving that football history each and every day coming on each week and sharing with us and uh we want to talk to you again next week and we appreciate you thank you very good look forward to it thanks darren that's all the football history we have today folks join us back tomorrow for more of your football history we invite you to check out our website, pigskindispatch.com, not only to see the daily football history, but to experience positive football with our many articles on the good people of the game, as well as our own football comic strip, Cleat Marks Comics. Pigskindispatch.com is also on social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel to get all of your positive football news and history. Special thanks to the talents of Mike and Gene Monroe, as well as Jason Neff for letting us use their music during our podcast. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network. 
your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Do you wish you knew more about the 100 seasons of the NFL? You're in luck because you found the Football History Dude Podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. From the founding of the league in an auto showroom, all the way to what it is today, America's favorite sport and a behemoth of an industry. My name is Ernie Chapman. Football is my passion, and I want you to come along with me each week to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board, my DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.